This week's episode of the KC Crew Podcast is brought to you by Butter Skin, a new line of skincare that's formulated specifically for melanin-rich skin tones. It's a simple three-step kit that features a gentle cleanser, a vitamin C serum that helps to reduce the appearance of dark spots and hyperpigmentation. This stuff is magic in a bottle for our skin and organic shea butter sourced directly from Ghana. I love the glow that it gives my skin. Butter is giving a 20% discount to our listeners on their complete skincare kit when you use code Casey at checkout. So go to butterskin.com to get the glowing skin you've always wanted. That's B-U-T-T-A-H-S-K-I-N.com and use code Casey at checkout to get 15% off. What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy. And I am Gia Casey. And it's another edition of the Casey Crew. Welcome. Hello, 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 beautiful people. Yes, hello, beautiful people. And we have to say happy birthday to our babies. Our baby's birthday is this week. Yes. And it sucks because they won't have a, a big, huge party. They won't have a lot of friends there, but they'll have us, family. Absolutely. And, um, and we'll find ways to make it special for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just it just sucks that they can't have their big party with all their friends, their classmates, and their birthday cake, and the gift bag. Well, I'm not that mad because I saved a lot of money. Of course, that's what it boils down to. Yes, a lot of money. But <laughs> happy birthday to the babies. So um, let me shout out to our sponsor. Shout out to the Custom Candle Company. Uh, we did a collaboration with them, and we did the Casey Crew Candles, all right? So if you want more information, you can hit up Bootcamp Benz or you can go to their website, which is Custom Candle Co. And look for the KC Crew banner and pick up your, your dope, cute candles. It's dope and cute. Dope and cute together. <laughs> dope and cute candles. So definitely do that. So um, we were talking. Of course, we're outside. It's, it's nice out. The summer's here. We're still, I know a lot of places are opening up, but we're still staying in the crib. Kids are still at home. We're still not doing much of anything, but just really just enjoying our house and enjoying our time together. We haven't moved yet. No. So we're preparing for that, preparing that house. That's right. Getting a lot of things together. Yeah, this is still an old house. So we're still at the old house. So I'm, I'm looking forward to moving into the new house. Um, I just can't wait. Honestly, I just can't wait. Gia is uh, doing her thing with this house. I'm, I'm, I'm almost tired of, of the color of paint, but she finally picked the color, which is... Dove White. Dove White. Benjamin Moore. Benjamin Moore. Dove White. <laughs> but uh, the house a is... slight undertone of grayish, which yeah. is a combo between gray and beige. There you go. And she's designing everything. The house is coming out beautiful from the closets to the main spaces, the furniture, the lights. Special art that we're doing. She's doing everything. Some custom with... art for the house. That's right. So yeah. she's really getting her, her, her foot in the door when it comes to this one. Like she's really doing some dope shit. So... I'm excited for you guys to see it. Um, but let's start the podcast. So we were talking the other day and we stopped the conversation. And the reason we stopped the conversation is because sometimes we just like to have the conversation in front of you guys without talking beforehand, just to see what our natural conversation would be. So Gia yeah. was talking about our parents and we were saying, you know, what did we learn from our parents? What trait did we get from our parents? Yeah. Like what did we inherit organically? from our parents by living under a certain household with certain morals and values or lacks thereof? Like what about our personalities can we attribute to our parents? All right. So for, for me, I'll start it off. For me, 
I would say I'll it's start. A, I'm sorry. It's a good exercise for you guys to think about. Mm -hmm. I haven't really thought about it mm -hmm. since the conversation. Um, Rashawn started telling me what he thought, and that's about when we cut it off. So mm -hmm. I didn't really think about it. But it's a good little exercise to kind of dissect your personality and figure out where you got what from. Right. So for me, let's start with my dad. So my dad, I would say the, the first thing I got from him is protector and provider. He protects, he provides, he goes over and beyond for his family when it comes to that. Um, you're not fucking with his family. He tells stories about him chasing an old lady up the block when he was a kid because she disrespected his sister. Like he's With a garbage can. With a garbage can. I remember that story. Yeah, he, that, that's my dad. And he protected his sisters. He made sure his sisters were good. Because clearly the old lady was a sincere threat. I don't know what she said. <laughs> But my pops be sure. Sorry, Papa. She, I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, you never know. Old women, old women get it in too. Uh -huh. But um, that's who he was as a person. And I would love to see that more from my kids to really protect each other. You know, um, I know Madison really protects her siblings. Logan does a little bit, but I want him to be more aggressive when it comes to protecting his, his sisters. What do you mean? Um, I don't recall a situation that they've ever been in where they needed... Okay. Protection. If there was a spider in his room, okay. he's going to run and leave before he even tells his sisters. Okay, this is true. <laughs> okay, now I know you're talking You know what I mean? Like, I want, I want him He'll to make... He'll make it down the hall and be like, there's a spider in there. That's Look out. That is definitely Logan. Right. And I want him to be like, grab his sister, pull him out the room and be like, why'd you do that? Oh, there's a spider in there. Oh, like, that's what I want it to be. Um, like, uh, my assistant, Benz. Mm -hmm. she's, not a, she's not a protector. Benz is not a protector. So let me tell y'all a situation. Word. Maybe maybe <laughs> about a week ago, uh, Gia and Benz was sitting right here in the same position. We were sitting right here. I went to the store. I had to go to the store and get something. I don't remember what I had to get. I had to go to the store. Uh, so when I got back, you know, it was me and the dog. The dog meets me at the gate. And when I drive back, the dog, you know, comes to the garage with me, licks me, jumps on me. Cool. So now what happens is when I get out the car, I look and I notice a big black bear mm -hmm. standing at me. So the dog sees the big black bear. The dog just sits, stands there right by the car and does not move. As soon as I step my foot out the door, the dog goes crazy at the bear. So, I, so now I'm fiddling to get my phone because I'm like, oh, this is entertaining, this big black bear. And I got my dog, Chuck Norris. So as I pull the phone out, I put two feet out the car and my dog just goes into protect mode. His, he's thinking, I got to get this bear to fuck away from my owner. So the dog shoots at the, at the bear. Full speed. Right? I'm fixing my mic. Does it sound good? Full speed at the bear. Goes directly at that bear. I've never seen this before. The bear, big black bear, jumps up the tree and starts crawling up the tree. The dog is at the bottom of the tree. I think he might even bit the, dog, the, the bear's ass. So I'm like, oh, shit. So I start calling my dog, Chuck, Chuck, come here, Chuck, 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 get over here. Ben's hears Chuck screaming. Ben's takes off. <laughs> no, and that takes off she as- She jumped a, out of this jacuzzi, <laughs> ran around the pool, up the stairs, up another flight of stairs, and another flight of stairs to the door to the kitchen. Left me. It could have been a bear coming to eat me. You didn't know what was going on. And we couldn't even really make out that you were saying, Chuck, we just heard you hollering and hollering. And it just sounded like danger. Right. <laughs> Benz wasn't like, yeah, you good? She was like, Choo! I 
was like, Word. Oh, oh, I got another Ben story for you after this one. Let's okay. another one. Let's I was another like, one. okay, okay. Right. I right. see I see what it is now. So so hold on. So then, so when I call Chuck, Chuck listens and Chuck starts coming back to me. He starts coming back to me. When he starts coming back to me, the bear jumps down off the tree. Mm-hmm. When the bear jumps down off the tree, Chuck goes again right at the dog. Whoosh! At the bear, I mean. Chuck goes right at the bear again. I'm yelling at Chuck. Who do I see? My baby is there waiting for me like, you good? You good? You good? Now here's my baby. Uh, oh, I'm the baby. Yeah, man, my baby. <laughs> my baby came running over, making sure I was good. Where's Ben's? Ben's is in the house at the window like this. <laughs> Y'all right? Y'all good? Y'all right? So, like, you see how my dog was a protector, how my wife was there to make sure I was good? That's the protection I got from my dad. Do you remember what you said to me? Wait, what? When you saw me at the gate, mm-hmm. like when I came, do you remember what you said no, to me? No, what I say? You were like, part of my language, you were like, see, that's why I bleeps with you. <laughs> I was like, what? He was like, you hear a problem, and you run towards the danger. And Ben's ran away from the danger. <laughs> so that's the truth, I was though. like, I'm from Brooklyn. That's what we do. <laughs> that, that, that's why I love my baby. So. Gunshots, you like... <laughs> so, but that's why I love my baby. My baby gonna make sure I'm good, right? Oh, uh, yeah. So now, I'm just gonna tell you one more Ben story, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know this one. No. Okay. You might, yeah, you might know the story. So now we're in the house, mm-hmm. right? And we're preparing for the pool party that we had. So we're outside cleaning, you know. Er- oh, I know. Eric is outside cleaning. Oh, so I know. The back door is open. So I'm DJing live. I don't know what set I was doing, but I'm DJing live on air. As I'm DJing live on air, <laughs> I look to the side and I don't see Ben's anymore. I'm like, all right, maybe she went upstairs. Maybe she went to get a drink. Did I'm- you see London sitting on the couch by herself? I'm going to tell you. Okay. So then I see Logan comes downstairs and says, Dad, the dog's out. And I'm like, get out of here. Shoo him away. Right? Because okay. I'm, I'm DJing. So after I finish DJing, Logan says, yo, Dad, the dog was in the house. And I'm like, okay. You know, we usually don't have the dog in the house when people are in the house just in case. Especially when the kids are we're not around just in case. So I said, what happened? So Ben's comes downstairs. Yo, I was sitting on the couch, me and Lundy playing video games. And I look and I see something walk by like a shadow. I look again and I see Chuck Norris in the house. I said, well, what did you do? She goes, I jetted. I ran up them stairs. I said, I said, oh, I'm glad you, you know, took London with you so y'all safe. She was like, no, <laughs> I ran up the stairs. London, I said, that's your dog. You good. And she said, I left London downstairs and I ran upstairs. I told Logan and Madison to go downstairs and get the dog. I said, you just left London? She was like, yep, that's your dog. Now you have to understand, Chuck is a killer. Like he's a killer. I don't even play with that dog. I don't pet him. I don't speak to him. We are not cool. My kids don't play with him. So Madison does. Okay, I'm talking about the little ones, right. the babies. Madison and, Logan Madison and Logan love Chuck. But my babies, they're not allowed to be around Chuck. Like, we ordered Chuck from Tennessee to protect our house. Right. Like, this dog, like, he is no joke. Right. He's trained to attack people. That is his job. Right, yeah. So, Ben's was rightfully afraid because she would have ended up with some holes in her arm, I'm sure. Right. But she should have taken Lundy with her. Right, right, right. He's trained to attack people who... who who come in our house that are not invited. That, that's what he's trained to do. That's like when I tell you the story, he chased the bear. He's trained to make sure we're good. That's what he's trained to do, and I love him for that. Um, I don't fear him. Me and him, we wrestle. 
I shake him, I pull him, he jumps on me, I, I grab him. He's, he's a great dog for me. But I'm just a little skeptical because we didn't raise him from a puppy. Right. And I know that he's trained to kill. So I'm skeptical of that. I dog. pull his tail, I grab his hair, I grab him by the face, I hold his mouth closed, yeah. he jumps on me. I sh- yeah. We do all that. We, I, I love that dog. But basically, I was saying what I got from my dad, and that protection is one of them. My dad is a protector and he's a provider. He makes sure the family is straight, no stress, no nothing. Um, his no patience nature, I get that from my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad has no patience. When it's time to go, what's that, that line? When I say go, let's go, nigga, let's go, I'll get left, yo, that mace line. That's my dad. What song was that from? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. But that's my dad. My dad's like, all right, let's go. And there's no, well, let's wait 15 minutes. When my dad wants to go, he's out. Mom, if you don't get in this car, you're going to walk home. Am I lying? You're not lying. That, that is like, my dad. Jan, it's time to go. That's my dad. It is what it is. I got that from my dad. Um, his work ethic, I got that from him. He's a man that will work on Christmas, Christmas Eve, New Year's, New Year's Eve, Thanksgiving. That's my dad, and that's who I've always been. Um, my love for cars. My dad used to be a mechanic. He loved his cars. He always had a dope car as a kid. Always a luxury car. He was never really a sports car guy. So he's always had a, a nice car. That was my dad. I got that from my dad. Um, the fact that I love guns, I got that from my dad, too. He's a cop, and yeah, he's, I, get, I get that from him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think what else I get from my dad. The whole being a, a, a man and really pushing your son to be better and be great, I think I am. Not, I get that from my dad, too. Just how I treat Logan, uh, how I treat Madison, how I treat the younger kids. My dad wanted me to be great and push me, and I push Logan. I push Madison. I push them to, to be free thinkers and to be on their own and not give a fuck about what other people think. I think I get that from my dad. Um, what else would I say I get from my dad? Let me go to my mom. My mom, I think I get my sensitive side from my mom. Oh. I think my mom is very sensitive, very emotional. And I get that from my mom. Okay. The way people talk to her, the way she feels and the way things affect her, I get that from my mom. Yeah. My mom goes a little far because my mom will show and express her feelings. I don't necessarily show and express my feelings unless it's you Mm -hmm. or even our kids or my parents. But I get that from my mom. Just the way that my mom is, that I get that from my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see what else I get from my mom. I also get, my mom is, is she likes to be the best in anything. Mm. I think I get that from my mom. Like she is that type of person. Um, my dad is big with family. And I get that from my dad as far as he likes family. He like. To this day, my dad calls his sisters every day, twice a day, three times a day. There's no secrets when it comes to my dad. If I tell my dad I just won $100 at Atlantic City or Vegas, he's going to call the sisters and be like, you know, Rashawn just won $100. Like, that's how my dad is. He really does call them every day. Every freaking day. He has two sisters. Day. Mm-hmm. Every day. Aunt V and Aunt Carolyn. Absolutely. I'm mm-hmm. trying to think. What else? Um, hmm. Trying to think what else I get from my mom. Let me ask you, let me put it a different way. What do you think that you learned from your mom? Uh, my mom is, is education. Everything is education with right. my mom. So she's, her whole thing is whatever you want to do, try to get as much knowledge as, uh, from it as you can. Meaning, like if you want to DJ, study the DJ. Like learn all about it. Learn how to mix, learn how to produce, learn how to this. Like, she's big with that. She's big in education. She's big with reading. She's big with really yep. understanding. Um, my dad is big with 
news, worldly. He's always in the newspaper. He's always listening to 1010 Wins. He's all, like, I listen to 1010 Wins more than I do the regular radio because of my dad. Mm -hmm. He's always into what's going on out there in the world. Um, my dad is very secretive. I'm very secretive when it comes to the outside world. And that's how my dad is. Like, what this, do you mean when it comes to the outside world? Like, like, I just recently started telling people how we do the things that we do to help our community. But before that, I kept everything in myself. Mm -hmm. And my dad was like that. Like, you know, my dad, this story is about him that we just found out recently. You know what I mean? Just because but that's you know, who he is as a person. I don't, I don't know if I would use the word secretive. Mm. I'm not sure that he's secretive. He just may not be a big sharer. Yeah. And you know what, too? You're not inquisitive. Mm. You don't ask questions. That's true. You know, I remember one day, I don't know, maybe six years ago. Mm -hmm. I don't mean six years ago. Six months ago, mm -hmm. your dad came over. Yep. Your mom was there. And we were all sitting in the family room and we were chatting and we were talking about, you know, him being in the war and all this stuff. And I'm asking him all these questions, you know, and he's answering me and whatnot. And you came and sat down and you're like, oh, really? I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So your dad, I think he's not the type to really share unless you ask him. Right. You know, and if you're not inquisitive and he's not necessarily a sharer, I'm sure there's a lot of things about his life that you probably don't know. Yeah. That would be interesting and that you could learn lessons from. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. You know, I, I agree with that. And I, I would say one other thing. My dad likes to be fly. Like he you likes know, when you said that about your mom, I was thinking to myself, your dad kind of likes to be fly, My too, dad likes actually. to be fly, too. Like, he likes to put on a, a fresh, a, a dope suit with some dope shoes. He likes to be fly. Like, yeah, he cleans up nice. Like, my dad likes to come in here. He likes to drive the cars, and he likes to borrow the car. Like, my dad is that type of person. He likes to be fly. He, he wants to be the flyest person, I, I would say. And they both like to be the best. Mm -hmm. Like, if it's their block... In Queens, they the they want to be the best on their block in Queens. You know what I mean? <laughs> if they're talking about their grandchild, they want their grandchild to be the best. You know, and they want and they if they can afford it, they'll make sure that their kids can get the best. That's how they are, and I think I'm the same way with our kids too. Like, yeah. I want our kids to have the best. I want them to have whatever they want. That's how my kids were, of course, on different scales, but that's what I wanted. That's that's the the main things I get from my mom and my dad. I'm trying to think of anything else. Hmm. Now, what about you? Um, okay. So I'll think about it now because I didn't think about it before when we did the conversation. And music, I want to say that last thing. Music. Mm -hmm. My mom and dad, especially my mom, put music into my system. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I tell everybody all the time, like, my parents are, like, really, growing up, like, really pro-black. Like, there wasn't too many white shows that we watched. There wasn't too many white musicians that we dealt with. It was all about The Temptations, The Four Tops, Whitney Houston, Shaka Khan, James Brown, um, new addition later on, like that was my parents. Like they had that music blasting throughout the house and that feel good music. And that's what, you know, since this quarantine, that's what we've been doing. I've turned on the music and we've been rocking, whether it was just good music, you know, you have on, you know, uh, Beanie Man and Bounty and Buju. And then I'll have on my new edition and I'll have on whatever it is. You know, we just hear that that type of music, the Bobby Browns, the Trey songs, the, you know, R&B, the Mary J. Blige. It's like we try to keep our, our house filled with good music. And, and now good you vibes. said that they were pro-black and it was always more predominantly black music playing in your house. Why would you say that that was? I think that's just where my parents were. I think they came from a time where racism was so big and that's who they 
that's what they listen to. Well, I know that your mom is from the South, so mm-hmm. I can probably speak for your mom. She probably grew up in a time where there was still segregation. Absolutely. And separate bathrooms and things of that nature. So I guess coming out of that and growing mm-hmm. into complete womanhood and whatnot, she probably um, was pro-black because it was comforting to her to see her people achieve and be great and be successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your absolutely. father as well. Yeah. So for me... Oh, one more. This is my last one, I swear. Last one. Last one. But you, you'll understand this one 100%. Last one. Go ahead. <laughs> the fact that they ride for their kids. Like, I've done a lot of stupid shit in my life, right? No matter what, am I lying? When I call my mom and my dad, even if I'm eight hours away, by the time I wake up in the morning, my parents are at the crib. Yep. Missing days at work, whatever, like, no matter what it was, true. my parents are there. If I had to go to court, they're there. If it was some <laughs> bullshit, they are there. If I'm in the hospital for whatever it is, they are there. And as a parent, you're supposed to, but they are overly protective. They are overly there. Even now. Yeah, e- even now. Even now. Like, if I miss a day, if, if they turn on the radio and they don't hear me, they might be at the house in four hours. Like, what the fuck's going on? Where's my son? What's going on? Are you all right? And they you listen good? to the show every morning. Just to make sure I'm okay. Mm-hmm. They turn it on. Do you know on. they listen to the show every morning? Every morning. Yeah, yeah but that's, that's and, and I'm like that with my kids. Like, if Madison or Logan call me okay. for something, I'm there. Gia's 10 times worse. Gia's 10 times worse. <laughs> Gia has a bump in the house. She's running down the, down the hall. I'm like, uh, give me, a, give me a second, to put my boxes on at least. But Gia's running down the hall with a towel halfway. Are you okay? Are you okay? And kids are like, I just dropped the basketball, mom. Okay, okay, but that, but ten times worse. But okay, now you'll go. You sure you got nothing else? Mm-mm. You good? Oh, one, one last thing. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I would say that I'm probably the perfect combination between my mother and my father. Mm -hmm. And I was extremely close to both of them. But I was more close to my father at an earlier age. Mm -hmm. And I think I was closer to him because my mother was a disciplinarian Mm -hmm. and my father was just the layback, chill, cool, don't worry about it, everything's gonna be fine, it'll work itself out you got this or don't sweat the small stuff Mm -hmm. like life is bigger than this don't sweat the small stuff so it was easier dealing with him especially if I did something wrong right because if I told my mother then I might get as they would call it an assins okay (laughs) like we didn't get beatings in my house we got assins Mm -hmm. um so because of that Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time with my dad and anytime I did do something wrong, I would tell him mm-hmm. and he would help me try to figure out how we were going to deal with my mother so I didn't get in trouble. Right. Quick story. Um, what grade was I in? Fifth grade. I went to a Catholic school in Brooklyn uh, called Mary Queen of Heaven. It just closed like maybe, I don't know, six, seven, eight months ago. Uh-huh. Um, but I was in the fifth grade. And my teacher was Mrs. Sershone. And fifth grade was when you started to change classes. Um, up until the fourth grade, your fourth grade, your third grade, your second, your first grade teacher, they taught all of your subjects. But mm-hmm. when you hit 
fifth grade, that's when you became a big boy, a big girl, and you had to change classes for every subject. Right. And Mrs. Sershone was like the dreaded teacher, and she taught social studies. Mm-hmm. And my whole life in school, from then into college, everything, I don't want to say school was a breeze, but I could breeze my way through classes right. without really doing the necessary work. Um, and it was like that from I was little. So fourth grade, straight A's, all mm-hmm. good grades. And I'm thinking I could do the same thing in the fifth grade. Right. And I was able to do it with all of my teachers except Mrs. Shoshone. And <laughs> I remember I got my report card and I had a C in her class. Mm-hmm. I had A's and everything else. But I had a C in her class. Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my mother is going to kill me because my mother, I guess, kind of like your mother was all about education. Right. And she wanted me to thrive in anything that I did. Mm -hmm. And she was awesome because she was the most supportive person you could ever know. Right. In your life. And because of that, she had high expectations at the same time. And... I was scared out of my mind. And I came home with the report card and it came in a little rectangular manila envelope and I gave it to my dad. And I'm like, I'm in so much trouble. And he was like, I don't worry about it. He's like, this what we're going to do. He took a razor blade because back then, you know, obviously your, your report cards weren't printed out. Right. It was an actual card that had the subject written and then the grade written and the teacher's signature. So he took a razor blade and like scratched out the C or C minus just enough to not disturb the paper. And he got a few different pens to see which one matched the ink the best. And he gave me an A in Mrs. Hershone's class. (laughs) So my mom got the report card and she was like, oh, okay, this is great, this is amazing, we went out to Sizzler that night to eat to celebrate my report card. And me and my dad are looking at each other the whole time like, Mm -mm. you know, but he always had my back. He did. He he was always understanding. Her dad was always understanding. Another story, right? I'm sorry. I know this is your thing. So my freshman year in college, I decided to play a prank on Gia. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So my freshman year in college, I went to Spencer's and you know, Spencer's in the mall. And when I was in Spencer's... I don't think they have Spencer's anymore. No? Okay. I yeah, they do. They said they do. They said they do. They oh, have they Spencer's. do still have Spencer's gifts? Oh, so, okay. when I went to Spencer's, they had like a... You could buy these envelopes. And on the envelopes, it says, pregnancy test results. Yep. And I bought it and I sent it to Gia's house. And in Queens. In Queens. Because remember, Gia at this time was a senior... In, uh, in high school when I was a freshman in college. Yes. So I sent it to Gia's house and I addressed it to Gia Casey. <laughs> I promise you, I, I, I have to still have it. Ooh. I have to still have it. Well, if I, I'm going to go inside. I have a box inside um, our library and it's called the Gia and Rashawn box. So it's like a big, beautiful wooden box that I bought in college mm-hmm. and I had our names engraved and whatnot. And I keep everything in there. Every mm-hmm. letter that Rashawn has ever written me in high school, 
Anytime we went to a carnival, movie tickets, the little bands mm-hmm. from if we went mm-hmm. to shows or whatever, all of the Valentine's Day cards, anniversary cards, everything that he had ever written me when we were young, I have all of them. And I know that I still have that. Mm-hmm. Okay, if I do, maybe I'll post a picture. It'll be weird for people that don't listen to the podcast. I know, I know, but, oh, but, <laughs> but everybody else will get it. Okay, okay, go ahead. So I sent it to Gia's house, and Gia got the letter, right? So when she received the letter, she didn't actually get it. It was delivered, but your dad got the letter. Yes. So what did the dad do? The dad. The dad? Your dad. Your dad. He's the dad. Hit it. He is the dad. From her mom. And held it and said, I wait for Gia to come home. And then when Gia came home, he let me gave tell you, Wait, let me tell you, let me tell you. Okay. So I get home, right? My dad meets me at the door. And he's like, hi, babe. Um, when you get a chance, meet me downstairs in the basement. Because in the basement was his office, because my father worked from home. So I was like, why, what's up? He's like, I just want to talk to you about something. I said, okay. I take off my, my school clothes, and I go downstairs. And underneath his keyboard, because back then it was like the big computer monitor, and then the keyboard. He lifts up the keyboard and slides out this envelope that says pregnancy test results addressed to Gia Grante. And I was like, he's like, here, apparently this is for you. Unopened, unopened. I was like, what? I was like, dad? I don't even, I have no, I was like, I'm still a virgin. I've never, I don't even know. He was like, well then go ahead and open it. (laughs) I was like, okay. So he had a little um, envelope opener, you know, like with a little razor blade, opened it. Oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't with the envelope opener. I think he just opened it and then we pulled it out, and what did it say? Gotcha. Did it say gotcha? I think so. I think it said gotcha in it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And then by the handwriting, I could tell that it was Rashawn. And my dad started dying laughing. <laughs> <laughs> he started dying laughing. And I was just like, man, this guy is so cool. Because had my mother gotten it, it would have been ripped open. She would have pulled it out and then felt bad, you know? Um, But yeah, so my dad, I guess the point in all of this was that my dad was mad cool. Mm -hmm. And um, what I always admired about him was that he was the most down-to-earth person that I had ever known. Mm -hmm. Nothing ruffled his feathers, always optimistic, And he was so humble, yes, definitely humble. But I love the fact that he treated everybody the same. I always admired that about him. And he would say things to me like, everyone that you'll ever meet is in essence the same. Luck, circumstance, being in certain positions, being born at a certain time in their lives, those all affect people's places in life and the decisions that they make and where they end up. You can never judge people. 
he's like, Gia, never judge people because you never know who you would be or what you would be mm-hmm. if you ever got put in a different circumstance. You got to love everybody and treat everybody equally. And my dad, you know, he had a really good job. So he was around people that did well in life, mm-hmm. but he was still the type that could go and hang out on the corner and, you know, talk to his guys on the corner. And, you know, he would treat the janitor the same way as the CEO. Mm-hmm. And that I always admired about him. And I wanted to be that kind of person. Gotcha. I wanted to be that kind of person where you strive to see the beauty in everyone, where you strive to see the beauty in life, where you strive not to be judgmental, even though it's so easy to be judgmental. Like I literally had to make it my business not to be judgmental because I mean, that's kind of what this world is, right? Like, mm-hmm. we judge each other. We judge decisions that we make. And mm-hmm. I had to work to do that, to do the exact opposite. But it was always with my dad as my inspiration. Right. And um, the whole thing with our kids mm-hmm. where... You remember I used to always say to you... Um, You know, the kids might ask for something or ask to do something Mm -hmm. or ask to go somewhere or whatever. And for some reason, as parents, sometimes your instinct is just to say no. Mm -hmm. Like, no. Oh, mom, can I have this or can I go there? No. Mm -hmm. Maybe because it means that you might have to spend a little time thinking about the decision or it might mean that it might put you out of your way because maybe you have to take them somewhere or wait somewhere and whatnot. And when we would be in a situation like that, I would ask for Sean, like, well, why are you saying no? You know, like, what's the point of saying no? Did you even think about it? It just seems like the default answer is always no. Like, that's not good. Right. The fact that I like to talk to my kids, like literally sit down and dig into their brains and find out what they're thinking and how they're feeling and why they might have done something that they did. The same reason why, you know, we we always say that I raised, especially Logan, all of the kids, but especially Logan, explaining everything to right. them. Mm-hmm. Like you say, no, you can't do something. And then, you know, your child asks you why. And I've always been the parent that'll sit down mm-hmm. and explain why. And that might be followed by five more questions, but I would dedicate the time to answer those questions so that my kids would have a clear understanding of why I'm making certain decisions. Absolutely. Logan takes it too far. We've been over this on this podcast, but it's okay. I got that from my dad because I had that kind of relationship with him. Mm -hmm. I would go and sit in our den and my dad would sit there and we would talk for hours. I feel like I know everything. That my dad has ever been through. And he is a talker. And I'm a talker. But more, moreover, more than being a talker, I'm inquisitive. Right. I'm naturally curious about things. I naturally want to know about things. I naturally want to learn about things. I want to contemplate different things. I want to think about things from different angles. I get that all from my dad. And the, a lot of the things that I learned from him, I respected because my dad was technically a genius. So... You know, like when you're younger, we take IQ tests Mm -hmm. and things like that to see kind of where you fall. And my dad took IQ tests and it put him in that range. So I always looked at him as though 
he was a superhuman, right? Almost. Mm-hmm. So when he educated me about something, I was sitting there all ears, like, mm-hmm. "Tell me more! Tell me more!" You know, and it wasn't like a lesson. Like if we talked about the Vietnam War, or World War War One, or World War Two, or the Korean War, or whatever, mm-hmm. it was so entertaining. It was so fun to listen to. Where. I just wanted to hear more and more and more and stay for another hour. And we just had this crazy bond. And um, if I ever wanted to do something or questioned whether I should do something or not, or whether I could do something or not, he would look at me with the straightest face and be like, of course you could do it, you're Gia. Mm -hmm. Like, duh. And it made me feel like, yeah, of course I could do it. I'm Gia. You know, it was just this confidence that was embedded in me from a young age. I guess thinking about it and analyzing it, I guess I felt that if someone that I looked up to so much Mm -hmm. saw so much in me, that's all the validation that I need. Absolutely. Like, I must be able to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, my father passed away when I was 19. Um, So while I was in college, he passed away. He had um, cystic fibrosis. And it was really, really, it's the hardest thing I've ever been through. The hardest thing I've ever been through. Because he was truly my best friend. Mm -hmm. And it was maybe a year or two before that that I started getting even closer to my mother. Because I was always close to my mother. But... My mother was more private, for instance. You know, um, my mother, like my whole life, I never knew how old she was. Well, <laughs> like, well that's, that's what like, I was going to ask you. So, so with your mom, what did you learn from your mom? So with my mom, <laughs> she's just, I mean, I think, I hope everybody feels this way about their parents. But I feel as though she was the best mother that I could have ever asked for. Um, My mother made myself and her brother her entire life. Mm -hmm. And she worked every day. Extremely hardworking woman. But she made time to do everything and made it seem so effortless. Made breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. Gave me my baths, helped me with my homework, worked, and then was up every day at about 4.30 mm-hmm. to go to work. And she pushed me. You know, my father kind of trained me to push myself, but my mother pushed me. Mm-hmm. She wanted me to be excellent at everything. Mm-hmm. So even if it was dress down day at my Catholic school, mm-hmm. she would take me shopping because... She wanted me to have the best outfit. Mm-hmm. And it, it just didn't matter. She just she always wanted me to excel. But like I said, my mom was really private. Right. You know, um, there were certain things that she kept to herself. And I think that's because she was raised that way. Mm-hmm. And any time that I asked her questions, um, you could tell that it kind of made her feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like she's not used to people questioning her about things and I think that I throughout my life started making her or getting her to a place where she felt more comfortable 
about sharing. And that's why when you said what you said about your father, I don't really know. I don't think it has anything to do with secrecy. Mm-hmm. I think that some of us and some of you guys um, can relate. You can be raised to keep your business to yourself. Don't put your business out in the street. Like people don't need to know that, you know, like you share what you want to share, but things that are more intimate, you keep towards just, you, you keep towards yourself. Right. You know? Um, so one thing that I learned from her being that way mm-hmm. is for me and my life to not be that way. Gotcha. I learned that there's no, for me, and a lot of you will probably disagree. For me, there's no reason to be private. And I guess I look at it like the truth is the truth. What's real is what's real. And either you like it or you don't like it. But at the end of the day, it's the truth. Right. And um, it brings me back to something that my father used to say. Mm-hmm. And this is why, you know, like you'll say it, I'll say it. Um, I don't want to say I don't lie, but I don't lie. I don't lie. Unless and it's like, hey, I'll be ready unless in an unless hour. Unless it's like a white lie. And it lie takes three hours. About, you know, I'm supposed to be somewhere. I might say I'm in the car. Unless it's like I'll be downstairs in 15 minutes okay. and it takes an hour. No, no, that's actually a mistake. Me mismanaging my time and telling you I'm going to be ready in 15 minutes. I'm not ready for 45 minutes. That's, you know, that's a mistake. Oh, that, oh, that's a mistake. Okay. That's a flaw. That's a mistake lie. That's, <laughs> that's a, a flaw. That's a lie mistake. That's a flaw. Okay, go ahead. But the reason I think I probably feel so strongly about that and I don't like when people lie to me is because my father would mm-hmm. say to me, like, why would you have to lie? Mm-hmm. Who do you have to impress so much that you have to tell a lie to? Mm-hmm. Why would you ever care so much about someone else's opinion that you would feel as though you had to lie to them? Mm-hmm. If you do something wrong, own up to it, mm-hmm. apologize. But at the end of the day, you tell the truth because... Before your lie, after your lie, life goes on. Mm-hmm. And people will relate because people go through stuff too and people make bad decisions as well. So you just have to be honest, you know? And I've taken that with me throughout my entire life, you know? Mm-hmm. And he would say, you know, Gia, if it ain't right, don't do it. If it ain't right, don't do it. And I've mentioned this before um, for some of you guys that have listened since the beginning, but. That has saved me from making a lot of bad decisions. You know, a lot of times we make bad decisions because it makes life easier for you. Mm -hmm. You know, you do something or you say something because it's an easier route out or it gets you something that you want Mm -hmm. or it puts you in position that is going to benefit you. So we make bad decisions. But I learned from my dad It's never that serious. You know, you should never need anything that badly where you make a bad decision behind it or trying to achieve it. So I'm not going to say that, you know, I've never made bad decisions. Of course I have. But what I'm saying is that my father is always kind of like this voice over my shoulder that that's the reason why it's my goal to not go down that road, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So now with my mom, my mom has taught me how to be kind. Okay. She's taught me how to be kind. Um, My whole life, just about, just about my whole life, 
we have always had someone that was not family living in our house in one of our rooms. Right? Yeah. My parents teach me to get, keep the strangers the fuck out of the house. Yeah. My, my mom. My parents trust nobody. Nobody. My mom, stays with us. I don't want to say that she trusts everybody, but she is very <laughs> trusting. But Let me just say one thing about that. Was one thing. What? Before Ben's, I had another assistant. Right? Her yes, name was Sage. Course. Her name still is Sage. Her name is still Sage. Hey, Sage. What did, <laughs> what did my dad say about Sage? Do you remember? No. So my so Sage was a, she she's a Caucasian, and my dad pulled me to the side when he met her. He was like, "Be careful, I think she's a Fed." You don't remember that? No, I don't remember that. <laughs> he didn't mean that. He was joking. No, he was serious. How could he think that Sage was a Fed? I don't know. He was like, "Be careful." Sage is just too young to be a Fed. My dad was like, "You know how sometimes the Feds they put people in places to get all this information." He was like, "Be careful." I think she's a cop. The more you explain it, the more it sounds like your dad. Yeah, he was like, he was like, be careful. He was like, the feds might have put her in there to see what you're doing, you know, to see how you're getting all this stuff. So just be careful. I think she's a fed. Just watch her. That's my dad. He don't trust nobody. That was my dad. Uh-huh. He didn't say that about you, Ben, so you good money, though. But That Sage, is so racist. I'm just saying. That is so freaking racist. I told you. I can't. My dad. I can't even. I can't not say that. Right. Like, I can't not say that. That's, that's, that's my so, dad. I guess it goes back to that pro-black that's, thing. That's my dad. But it's kind of not really pro-black because that means that, you know, a young black woman is, can't be a fed. I, that's, that's, that's my dad. I don't, I don't know. That was him. All right. Well, he don't that trust that went wrong. Okay. But okay. Um, what was I saying? I don't even remember. You're saying your mom said you'd be kind and to trust. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, that yeah, there was always somebody living there in the house. Always, yeah. So my mom, I guess... Through people that she's known and whatnot. Ooh, that ass look good. Stop Sorry. That. She would find um, find out that maybe someone that she knows was down on their luck. And um, if they were, she would say, all right, well, you know, we have space. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, extra rooms. You can come and stay with us until you get back on your feet. And I mean, we've had people live with us for a year, two years. Absolutely. And I mean, they've ranged in age from 20s to Grams, who was... Like in her late seventies, but she wasn't my grandmother. But she was it, an older woman. We called her grand. It raised in profession too. What? What do you mean? No, I mean all professions. Oh, I thought that was the lead up to a joke. No, I mean okay, no, yes, you, yes, yes. You, you had a stripper. I did have a friend that was a stripper. And, and mom pulled her in, and but she became a stripper because she was under duress. I, I didn't say the reason I'm just why. Saying. I just said, but she would, she would lead a strip club and, and, and come home. All right. I'm a, okay. Since you brought that up, I'm going to give you an example. So when I was, um, when I was young, I used to do pageants and I met a girl when I was in a pageant, when I was about 13 years old and we became good friends, but I lived in Queens and she lived deep in Long Island. So we didn't really get to see each other that much. So when I got my first car, I would like go and drive to see her occasionally. And um, she had a hard life. I'll mm-hmm. put it that way. Uh, she had a hard life. And long story short, her mother kicked her out of her house. Correct. And it was uh, it was a terrible day. The way the whole thing went down, her mother kicked her out of her house. Mm-hmm. And I was in college at the time. I was probably, I was 19. So I was probably a sophomore. Wait, mm-hmm. seven, uh, 17 to 18, 18 to 19. Yep, yep. I was a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And she called me and told me all about it. 
And she's like, I don't have anywhere to stay. And she wasn't asking me for a place to stay. Um, she was just telling me what was going on in her life. And I said, um, well, what do you plan on doing? She's like, I have no money. I'm not going to be able to go back to school because my parents aren't going to pay for it. I just don't know what to do. I said, well, what are you doing right now? And she was staying at a friend's house, um, but she had to leave in two days. So I said, you know what? Let's call her Melissa. I said, you know what, Melissa? You could stay at my house. And she said, what do you mean? I said, you can stay at my house. I said, I'm in school. So my bedroom is available. My bedroom's free. My mother's other friend was living at our house in a guest bedroom. I said, my room is free. My mom's not going to mind. She said, I can't pay rent. I have no way of getting money. I said, don't worry. You don't have to pay rent. My mom's not going to expect rent or anything from you. Just go until you get yourself together. Doesn't matter how long it takes. Even if I come back from school, like... You know, I could sleep in my mom's room or I could sleep in another room. Like, it's okay. Just make my house yours for the mm -hmm. time being. So she said, are you sure you didn't even ask your mom? I said, I know my mom. I said, my mom will be happy. And I said, and to be honest with you, while you're not on good terms with your mom, my mother will treat you like a daughter. I said, so anything you need, you ask my mom and she's going to help you. She's like, how could you even say that? I'm like, trust me, I'm gonna give my mom a call right now, but you can start preparing. So I called my mom, I told her what was going on. She said, yeah, tell her to come, tell her to come. So my girlfriend started stripping and she was a year younger than me, so she was 18. Mm -hmm. So she started dancing to make ends meet and my mother would drop her off at the strip club and then pick her up at like two, three o'clock in the morning on Queens Boulevard mm -hmm. at the strip club that she was dancing at. And I just thought that that was pretty incredible, you know, because my mom, like I said, she would get up at 4.30 to start get, getting ready for work. So she would pick her up, go home and then get ready and then go to work. And I would say to her, like, you know, how do you feel about, you know, <laughs> Jocelyn's occupation and she said to me well, this is occupation can you bleep that out <laughs> melissa's occupation melissa's occupation you can't hold water i can't <laughs> put something over my mouth so no one can read my lips okay i said um good catch thank you i said um well how do you feel about you know melissa's occupation are you cool with that or whatever and she's like listen the girl isn't in school. She's just she's just doing something to try to make a little bit of money for mm -hmm. herself. And you can't judge her. You can't judge her. You know? I'll try to see if I can get her another job or get her some interviews or something. But in the meantime, this is a choice that she's making. And I'm just trying to make sure that she gets to and from safely. Right. So... I look at myself and um, I think about where I get certain traits from, certain personality characteristics and certain attributes. And yeah, I look at my, my parents and I realize that they were just two down to earth people that loved others mm -hmm. and um, wanted to see others do their best. And um, my mom taught me a lot about parenting Mm -hmm. You know, the way that... And now listen, my mother was not affectionate at all. 
I don't know. Not at all. Not at all. She didn't like to say I love you. It it wasn't until I was 19. She was the again, queen of chuh. Chuh. <laughs> like, I love you, ma. Chuh, chuh. Like, I, re- I remember the first time that I recall my mother saying I love you. Mm-hmm. It was... I was in college at Old Dominion, and um, my mother had gotten me my own apartment, and she came down to visit. She was spending the week with me, and I just, I don't know, I just love her so much that I threw my arms around her, and I started, like, dancing with her. I was, like, slow dancing with her in the kitchen, and I was like, you know what, Mom? Like, I love you. Like, I really, truly love you. And her face got all red, and she was like, thank you, man. Like, like, just... You know, like she, it's like she got butterflies or something. And I've said I love you to her, mm-hmm. but it was like the typical like robotic, like, all right, ma, love you, ma, when you're on your way out the door. But in that moment, like I really felt it and it made her so uncomfortable because she just wasn't open like that. Like she wasn't she wasn't going to tell you that she loved you, but she was going to do everything under the sun to let you know that she loved you. You know, mm-hmm. and she was the type of mom that I could do anything wrong. I might have gotten in trouble for it, but she was going to fix it. Mm-hmm. She was going to fix it. It doesn't matter what it was. I could have just robbed a bank and she was going to fix it somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. And that's where I get it with my kids. I learned that I wanted to be affectionate because my mom wasn't necessarily affectionate. So I, but you know something, I never questioned whether she loved me or not. Mm -hmm. Like my mom did everything for me, but I took that and said, you know what? I want to be affectionate and I want my kids to see and learn affection. Right. But I learned that no matter what, if my kids have an issue, it's going to get fixed. Right. Like, we are going to handle that. We are going to take care of it. Someone's bothering you. And like my grandmother, my mother's mother, Mm -hmm. she was a petite woman, half Chinese, half Jamaican, raised in Jamaica. And that woman was so tough. Mm -hmm. And I remember being little and watching her move. Like, she was a real boss. Like, she owned buildings, was collecting rent. She owned a beauty salon. She had her beautician's license. So on Saturdays and Sundays, she opened her beauty salon and did hair. Mm -hmm. But she had money coming in from everywhere. And she was so strong, like strong. Like I was scared to mess with her, Mm -hmm. you know, and I mean, I never wanted to, but I would see how she handled people. And how she talked to people. And it was with this con- confidence. And she was so assertive that I would think to myself, like, no wonder you're a boss. Right. You know? And she was little. She was like a little woman. Um, and I remember one day I was riding my bike. Mm-hmm. And my brother's best friend, his name was Danny. He lived across the street from us. Um, I'd be lying if I told you what it was that he did. Mm-hmm to bother me right now. I don't remember, mm-hmm. but he did something to bother me. And my grandmother was there at my house. So I went inside mm-hmm. and I told my grandmother, whatever it was that Danny did. And she came outside and Danny was on his bike. She went up to him and threatened his whole life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he 
was paranoid and he went and told his parents. That was and my was, grandmother. Yeah. And it was a whole thing, mm -hmm. you know, but my grandmother was about it. So my mother got that from my grandmother and I just learned strength mm -hmm. from the two of them. And I guess that's why it's always been so important to me to be strong. Right. Well, it's nice to like analyze all this stuff mm -hmm. in a way, you know, but mm -hmm. That's where I learned, and my dad too. Mm -hmm. Like I was raised by strong, kind people. Right. So that's kind of been like the mantra throughout my life. It's important to be strong and it's important to be kind. And no matter mm -hmm. what hits you, like psh, 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 you deflect it. That's right. You know, you, you deal with it, you handle it, you treat it optimistically, but smartly, and you'll come out on the other side okay. And like when I think about the two of them, it's like the two of them melted together and made me. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't be prouder. Mm -hmm. I'm proud too. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time to get up out of here. I'm cold. It's not cold. I'm cold. I'm you chilling. You see all the steam coming up? Can you guys see all the steam? Yeah, I'm sure they can see that steam. It's sexy out now, here. Now, the reason we it have glasses on... It lit, it got dark. Because it was light, and now they've turned on the bright light, so this hurts more than anything else. What hurts? Oh, I feel good. You must no, have No, I said cheap, take off your lights. You, you I said take off your lens. I said, when, oh, I, no, these are Versace, babe. Versace. <laughs> okay. Versace. <laughs> Better ask somebody. Versace. <laughs> All right, but um, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us. I don't know where we're going to do the next podcast. It might be in the... So we're not going to read no emails? We up at the time. I don't know if it's time. Yes, I it can't is. see Ben's across yeah, from the we're, pool. Yeah, we're about to wrap it up. Are we done? Yes. We don't have no more time? All right. All right, well, it's time Ben's to get up out of here. like this. We'll see you guys next wrap week. wrap it up. The KC Crew at Gmail if you have any -E -E. questions, emails, or anything like that. KCCrew at gmail.com. I'm DJ Envy. And I am Gia Casey. And that was another edition of the KC Crew podcast. Toodles!